and welcome you to week two of Hearing the Voice of God. And tonight's subject matter, or the title is God's Supernatural Control Panel. The verse I chose for tonight before we pray is from Isaiah 30 and 21. And this is a very special verse to me. If you've ever been talking to me about God's guidance, you'll hear me speak this verse. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Reason that's so powerful, I kind of flipped it in the order that it is in scripture, is because that's what I often say to the Lord. I'll start walking this way like there's two, there's two choices and I don't know which one is which. I was telling some people yesterday at Women of Hope that when I'm praying about something and I have two choices, and here they both are. And I can't decide which one is best. My, my beloved husband and I used to do this. We'd say, Lord, let your peace rise just a little bit above one choice than the other. You know what I'm saying? It, it may just be a hair. Everyone say a hair. I mean, you know what a hair is. That's what grandmother used to say. You just, you know, you're, anyway, okay. Um, just coming up just a little bit. And that's a good way to make that decision. I also quote this verse because I'll say, Lord, let me hear that voice behind me saying we're in the right direction. Amen? Amen. Another verse is Joel 2 and 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let's say all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So there's a great move of God in the earth in these last days. We are going to prophesy. I want you to go ahead and say, you haven't taught you yet, but everyone can prophesy. Everyone in this room, everyone listening by podcast can prophesy. And we're going to learn that tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about audible, inaudible, and prophecies. So we're going to learn from God. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this Wednesday night. We thank you for those that are attending. We thank you for those that are listening. Holy Spirit, this is your room. This is your message. Speak as only you can and let us learn by your grace in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So tonight I'm going to try to be a little bit. We'll see how it goes teacher mode, then I'm on fire preacher mode, but we'll see how it goes because this is kind of a teachable lesson. I want you to say learning, learning. To, be to be led by the Spirit. By the how would you like to drive your car with no mirrors anywhere? I mean, if you've ever been without one or the ability to see through your windshield or through your back window, you couldn't see anything. It'd be terrifying, wouldn't it? I mean, to try to drive without that. However, if you were flying an airplane and you were beginning to fly it, if you don't know this, um, pilots, I actually took a course many years ago, not to fly a plane, but I took a course from a pastor who uh, taught people how to hear the voice of God, who was also a pilot. And he made a lot of analogies, and that's where I got some of my studies from many, like 28 years ago. It was a wonderful course. But he taught that when you first start to pilot a plane, and Chris Vernas actually has been a licensed pilot, you learn, first of all, to fly by sight so you can see the things around you. But the greatest way to learn is to fly by instruments because uh, like they were talking about a pilot, when he start, starts to fly, he flies by what he can see, by landmarks, but if a storm comes, he can't see. 
If there's bad weather, he can't see. If he's just gauging by what he can see. But when they get their instrument license, they begin to fly by what the instruments can see. So if they get in a storm, I don't know if you've ever been on a plane when it just, turbulence is not my best friend. I don't enjoy it. And you're up there and, and the clouds come in. It looks like you're in a dark tunnel and boom, 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 boom. And the plane is going up and down. But the pilot is not nervous because he's flying by instruments. His instruments tell him that there's a plane over there that he cannot hit, one over there and one out there, and he will trust his instruments. The thing about it is, the Bible says, everyone say Romans, Romans. 8 and 14, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And that means we can be led. But I want to tell you, when you're listening to the voice of God, this 60-year-old preacher will tell you, don't get an image like a Luke Skywalker with mystical energy and craziness and that to hear from God and to talk for God, you've got to get a crazy look in your eyes and be freaky and be weird. God is not in spooky people. Go ahead and say, God is not in spooky people. He's not, and often we think that's what it looks like to hear from God. But number one on your paper, all languages are acquired over time and through constant practice. All languages. We've talked about this um, in a, to a degree in former years, and that's how, like, if you travel to another country. Um, Pastor Hank and I went to Haiti several times. He did a lot of work with missionaries there and with an orphanage. And um, we were staying at like a missionary complex and they would come get our clothes. He did, bonsoir, madame. Um, you know, they try to speak to you in their Creole French and they would take our clothes. And one day my husband said, have you seen how they're washing your clothes? I said, no, I have no idea. He, he goes, well, it's not a washer and dryer. He goes, walk around the back of the complex because there was a lot of missionary rooms, kind of like a big resort, but don't think resort. It was hot, Haitian, no air conditioning, terrible. And I walked around the back and all these Haitian women had my clothes and they were beating them on a rock and washing them and drying them. And I was so moved by it. And I would try to talk to them and I'd say, merci, you know, because I do not know this language at all. Whenever I would speak to them, I don't know if uh, Pastor Ramon and I laugh every Sunday because I'm always trying to say something to him. But with your Southern accent, everyone say your Southern accent. When, when I would speak to those Haitians and say, bonsoir, they'd go, you, they just would laugh because it probably sounded so Southern, like bonsoir, you know, because Tennessean. But it's the same thing. Um, learning a foreign language takes time. Everyone say takes time. Here's the deal. A little bit of history from linguist. Hang with me. Bonsoir. Linguist in the uh, traditional philosopher Chomsky views language as an ancient instinct, as a special gift. Everyone say special gift. Dogs bark, cows and mockingbirds sing. Okay, a tweet. But, but our ability to acquire language by speaking and listening is unique among God's creation. That is unique to us. Learning to hear and to speak comes from God. Everyone say, in His image. In his so what makes us think that there are any easier or faster ways um, to acquire English or to hear God than there are to learn a new language? Rome wasn't built in a day. Italian isn't learned overnight. Listen to this. Babies, this is so cool, have to hear their parents sound out words thousands of times before they're able to enunciate those sounds. It takes them between nine, someone say nine, and 12 months 
to hear those words. On an average, baby only have five words in their vocabulary till their first birthday. And on their first birthday, it explodes. And by the age of six, the average child has 14,000 words. Let everyone that ever raised a toddler say, I know that's right. 14,000 words. So it's the same thing in learning a language. Underneath number one, the fear of failure and embarrassment, which is a manifestation of insecurity, self-consciousness. Self-conscious means I just want to be always gauging what I look like in front of you. I'm going to tell you something. The people that are great in the eyes of God to me are not self-conscious. They're more God-conscious. They forget that this is even being carrying anything. Or pride. It's one of the greatest hindrances. I want everyone to say hindrances to learning the language of the Holy Spirit. It's similar to learning a language. You know, I've told you before about missionaries that go overseas. And one of my missionary friends was telling me they went to Germany. And his kids just learned the language because they were highly motivated to play. But he didn't want to be embarrassed. But children learn the language because they're not hardened in their vocal cords. And one of my, uh, several of my bilingual friends, like I have some Vietnamese friends, they're the nail people. I've gone to ever since Christine was a baby. And we were talking the other day and they had me laughing so hard talking about how their children go in and out of English and Vietnamese. And they're just so good at both of them because they were children and gets this, no one told them they couldn't do it. And sometimes when hearing the voice of God, we've got to deal with our filter that says you can't do that. It is. I think it really is, Mignon. We have to deal. Children will try anything. They don't mind looking foolish. So this German missionary told me when they went into Germany, his children would say something and the little children would just laugh and hit their legs. They say, no, no, no. You know, and they would, they would begin to correct them in German. And so they, they learned it. But I think sometimes as we grow older, we get so concerned, you know, did I hear right? I think the Lord told me to give a word. I'm just going to make this real plain tonight to give a word to Carol. But Lord, was that you or was that me? Well, I don't think the devil would tell me to encourage Carol, right? And prophesy is encouragement. We'll get to that in a moment. So I'm going to encourage Carol. Well, what if Carol says that makes no sense? Well, what if she says that? At least you're obedient. And when there's obedience in little things, there is obedience in bigger things. On your paper is a statement by C.S. Lewis that I love. If only the will to walk is there, God is pleased even with the stumbles. So that means I'm going to have some stumbles. Everyone say, I'm going to have some stumbles. Thanks for working with me this night. You see, the more we love God, the more we will risk for him, even to the point of public humiliation. Also, the more we love God, the better we'll hear his voice and the less we'll ever want to use his voice to hurt his people because God is so passionate about his people. So everyone, I want you to say it again, everyone Everyone. can prophesy. It's like um, when you learned how to ride a bike, I don't know, maybe your parents just threw you on a big bike by yourself. But in my house, you rode the little, remember little Hot Wheels? You know, you're like on the floor now. They say there's dangerous and you get killed if you're in a Hot Wheels. I don't think you can buy them anymore. But we'd go around the Hot Wheel. Then you move from the Hot Wheel to the tricycle, right? Then from the tricycle, you went to the bicycle with Training training wheels on it. Then when you got really good on that, you went on to the bicycle. 
And you know what? We look at everything in our life as process and progress and that takes time and this takes time. But if I'm going to learn the voice of God, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to take the time to think it's okay to learn and make some mistakes. Now, Pastor Hank, when we evangelized, one thing I loved was to sit around the dinner table with him and a bunch of evangelists and pastors because they all had hilarious stories because sometimes we're just learning to hear the voice of God. Now, I'm not talking about tongues interpretation. I'm talking about someone just standing up in the house of God and saying they have a prophecy. Here was a couple of them. It said, thus saith the Lord, I know you're scared with a T. I get it. Sometimes I get scared myself. <laughs> okay, so it's just funny. Everyone say it's funny. It's just so funny. Another one of my personal favorites that he used to tell um, is a person stood up and said, it has been said that I am in this place, but know this night I'm not in a million miles of this place. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, and he had so many. I just, oh, oh, if I could have just asked him today. But at any rate, he had so many funny stories of things he had seen but you know what? Everyone say practice. practice. And you think, well, we practice on a bike, we practice on a tricycle, but to practice learning the voice of God seems just, you know, uh, respectful. It seems dangerous. Well, if you were going to go book your show on international television and say that you're a prophet and you want to book people into their church, that might be different. But I want you to say the local church is an incubator. And it's here that we practice our gifts on each other. So let me keep going. Uh, it says of the Holy Spirit that he will teach you. Someone say teach you all things. Okay. So number two, we're going to first talk about the audible voice of God. The clearer the revelation, the harder the task. I'm going to ask you honestly, and those listening by podcast cannot answer, uh, but have you ever heard audible means, let me show you what audible is. Donna. Donna heard that. She didn't hear it in her spirit. She heard it with her physical ears. Donna, how many have ever heard the audible voice of God? Lift your hand. A, a few. There's always a few. And I don't know that I ever have. I have woke up in the middle of the night thinking I heard my name. Has that ever happened? And I knew it wasn't my children, like Rhonda. And, and I would sit up and, you know, it wouldn't have been Pastor Hank when he was with me. The audible voice of God is a wonderful thing, but it means that you're going to have to obey God in an incredibly hard way. Someone say hard way. I think it's something that most of us don't want to ask for. And maybe God does it in really hard times. God spoke audibly through Jesus. God spoke audibly to uh, little uh, Samuel. And remember, he kept waking up Eli and said, I'm hearing something. But Eli couldn't hear it. Only little boy Samuel could hear God say, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. So I want to tell you something. If you're around someone and um, someone just recently shared with me, one of my ministry friends, which I don't want to say who it was, but it was totally, um, it was totally God that God said this person's name out loud because of what they're going through. And we should not desire that unless we want a hard task. Look at your neighbor and say, I should not desire that unless I have a hard task. And also that's just, that's a phenomenon. It does happen and praise God that it does. Now let's talk about number three, the internal audible voice of God can best be described as an inward witness, a prompting, P-R-O-M-P-T-I-N-G. Sorry, just a habit of spelling it. Which can best be described as when God speaks to us in complete sentences in our mind, like an impression. Now, how many have had that? 
everybody in the room. And I, I know you have, and I'll tell you why. It's an impression. It says in complete sentences, but I don't think it's always complete. I think someday when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that little impression that said, just turn right, delay yourself 10 minutes. And you, you don't know. You just thought you were smart enough to come up with that. You know, take that other route. Well, why? And, you know, the Bible says as many are as the children of God, they are led. I want you to say led. Led by the Spirit of the Lord. It's natural as breathing, but whenever I'm working with people to hear the voice of God, whether in this context or privately mentoring ministers or pastors, they get so freaked out about this and make it so difficult. And something the Lord said to me years ago, it's as easy as breathing. Breathe in, breathe out. You're not even conscious of it. The Spirit of the Lord wants to direct our steps. Nehemiah said, since we just discovered or just finished that book, he said, God put it in my heart. I want you to say, in my heart. And God put it in heart to gather the elders. That was something that came to him. It's a knowing in your spirit. It's something that comes to you and you just say, I've, I feel like I need to check on somebody. How many has that happened to? I feel like I need to message so-and-so. I feel like I need to text. I just, I just feel like, I mean, sometimes it's just crazy. And, you know, then you'll say, this came later, but I think it fits now. You'll say something to somebody. And you'll say, you know, I'm just thinking about you this morning. And, and I know this happened to all of you. In Deuteronomy 21.5, don't look that up. It probably says something like she carried a pot on her head. So anyway, came to my mind. And I just want to say that to you. And that person goes, you're not going to believe this. That was in my devotions this morning. You're not going to believe that. I have been thinking about that verse. You're not going to believe this. I've been standing on that verse. Okay, if you're like me, the trumpets did not sound. Amen? There was not a big do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, there was nothing but just this prompting. Check on this person. Reach out to this person. And the more you get to move in these promptings, you'll find the bigger the results are. And all of a sudden, you'll find, you'll call someone right before, you know, something's going to happen to them. Pastor Hank and I were going, there was a cheap movie theater um, down the other end of town. I think that's Habitat now. I mean, it got really bad, but really cheap. And we were going in, this is way before even Christine was born. And he had a prompting. That's when uh, you had a cell phone in your car. Do you remember these? But they were that big. I mean, they were huge, you know, and you had to sit there on it. And he said, I feel like I need to check on one of the brothers at the church. So I said, well, the movie starts. He goes, I don't know, Rhonda, I need to check on. He had nothing to base it on. He called this man and this man with every honesty, and I cannot say his name. He's not in this church anymore. In fact, he's in the presence of the Lord today. He had a gun fixing to blow his brains out. And the funny thing about it is, Pastor Hank could tell the story much better, and I don't feel like being funny about that right now. But I went in, and I kept coming out and doing this. You know, doing, kind of like you, Christine. That's where you get that from. Anyway, kept saying the time. That's a funny story we have about Christine. Kept saying, it's time, it's time. And he finally looked at me. He said, Rhonda, and said his name. I'm talking him off the wall of suicide. When I think about that prompting, it was so simple. It doesn't just happen to pastors or teachers or prophets. In fact, on your paper somewhere in the box, it's probably on the next page. When God prompts you to pray, pray. When God prompts you to serve, serve. When God prompts you to give, give. God is setting you up. I want you to say, God, God is, is setting me up. But you have to obey the prompting. You might just be somebody else's miracle. But here's the deal. It's, it's not just the big things like suicide. It's just people that have kind of lost their strength. They've lost their 
energy. They've lost what they want to do. An example of this is in Ezekiel, because we always want to refer to Scripture. That's our highest law. Ezekiel 14 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to me, said Ezekiel. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart, and they've put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Then he goes on to say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Okay, I want you to say this. Ezekiel. Everyone say Ezekiel. He was sitting in the midst of church elders at the river Kabar is the way I say it. Some say Chabar. He was sitting there. He heard God, but nobody else heard God. That's the power of an inner witness. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to see times when we don't know why we did that, why we were delayed. Um, you probably remember the story, um, Steve and Millie Alley. I think was their last name, wasn't it? Steve, yeah. They were heading to East Tennessee. And she just started wanting a biscuit from Hardee's. It was, she said it was just crazy. She wanted a biscuit so bad. And Steve finally said, good grief, we're going to be late. She goes, Steve, I just want a biscuit. They pulled off, got a biscuit. When they did, that huge pileup that killed, I don't even remember how many people that killed. Um, it was on its past Bowwaters. If the fog settled in, I mean, it was 22, 25. It was all over the international news. I can't explain why God gave her an urge for a biscuit. And that's what got them off the road. But they believe to this day, that's an inward witness. Give God a hand clap of praise for that because it's powerful. And we don't know. Look at your neighbor and say, we don't know. So Dr. Rick Godwin writes this. He's also a pilot and a pastor. After visiting family in Savannah, Georgia, a few years ago, Cindy, our baby daughter, and I drove to the airport to board our eight-seater twin engine Cessna for a late evening flight home. Because the vertical stabilizer, the flap that runs up and down the tail of the plane, was fairly strong, a wind and a thunderstorm can bend it if it's not held securely in place. I didn't want to run the risk of the strong wind damaging, so earlier that day, I placed a lock. Everyone say a lock. And then completely forgot it. We arrived at the airport. It was 11 o'clock at night, and all I could think about was getting home. Because it was the first time I used the lock, it wasn't on my list of things to check before takeoff. After completing the checklist, we boarded the plane. I started the engine, closed the door, taxied down the end of the runway, and called the tower. 800 Mike Alpha, ready to take off. Radio control responded, cleared for takeoff, fly runaway heading. I reached for the throttle, praying as I always did, Lord, thank you for safety tonight on our flight home in Jesus' name. As I placed my hand on the throttle to begin our flight, instantly the term rudder lock flashed before my eyes. Just as if the control tower had radioed the message to me. In the natural, there was nothing in front of me to read. I certainly wasn't in a spiritual mood. It was 11 o'clock at night. I was tired. I wanted to go home. But when I saw those words, I froze and turned white as a sheet. I'll never forget the feeling in my heart. I realized how close to death we had come. Attempting to fly with a lock on the vertical stabilizer of an airplane is like driving your car without the use of a steering wheel. It wasn't just foolish, it's fatal. I called the tower saying, hey, we need to shut the engine down. I got out of the plane. I stared at the rudder lock, still securely fastened. Another 40 seconds into our journey, we would have crashed and the remains of my family would have been scattered along the runway. There is no way I would have thought of that rudder. It could only have been the inner conviction of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you? And you sense something was wrong. 
Uh, the world calls it a sixth sense, but we call it a God sense. Amen. And he was spared. Romans 8 and 14, for as many are the children of God, they are, the, they are led by the Spirit. I think we need to tune into those things when things come to us and think, why is God speaking this to me? Incredible. That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The last thing on number one on your paper is our filters can greatly affect our ability to hear God's voice. Let's move on to number four. It'll make sense. Never trust a negative impression about someone with whom you are angry or jealous. Oh my goodness. If, 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 if um, Austin hates Keith, which they don't, so that's just a great analogy. They don't. They're great brothers in the Lord, great leaders in this house. Give, give them a hand. <laughs> but if Austin hates Keith and he comes to me and says, I'm just going to tell you, I got a gut feeling from the Lord that Keith is stealing our water buckets. <laughs> That was not prepared. If I could have prepared that, it would have been something of great worth. But in that moment, that's all I could think. <laughs> As the fountain of life is flowing. Um, and so, and hey, they are expensive. I'm the one that goes and buys those buckets. Um, but at any rate, first of all, as a leader, and I'm encouraging you leaders, I'm going to think, Austin already hates Keith. It's not Keith. It's Johnny Boy, the homeless guy that's coming into the house, you know, slinking through the little hole in the wall, whatever. I'm going to have to think that his filter has affected his ability to hear the voice of God clearly. So that coworker that gets on your last nerve and you're convinced God told you that they are the daughter of Lucifer. They may be. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm kidding. But you can't trust your filter. If someone kind of gets on your last nerve. I'm telling you as a pastor, I have never found this to be wrong. But if someone loves someone deeply and comes to me and says, and I don't mean the love, love, I mean just loving the Lord. And they say, I feel this, I feel, I'm Pastor Ronald, I'll share something in confidence. I feel this about so-and-so. I know in that moment, first of all, I'm going to take it to the Lord. I'm not going to act on that. I'm going to ask the Lord as we all should if they're coming to a leader, because they shouldn't be going to anybody else, or that's gossip and slander, um, I'm going to take it to the Lord, but I'm going to think, man, this person loves this person. You know what I have found in my life? The people that have corrected me the most or had spiritual dreams about me, great dreams. If you're always having negative, we'll get to that in a moment, that may not be God, um, are people that love me deeply. It's always them that God uses in my life. And I know the person that led me through my inner healing Want to get back into that wonderful minister that I've preached for, love he and his wife, they're, they have adult children, great man of God. But I knew when God used him to speak to me and say, God is saying some things in the word to you. You've got to make peace with him. I'm not going to go into what those things were, but I mean, the Lord said, here's the verse. And you've been saying that verse doesn't affect you, but it does. God is saying this. And so I'm not going to go into that tonight, what that was. Um, but I just tried to rationalize that. But what I knew in that moment is this man loved me. This man at that time, and he's so thankful to today he didn't marry me. He is just rejoicing and dancing the Jubilee every year. But at that time, 
He wanted to spend his life with me, and I knew it was a death for him. And I say that to say that in my life I have found if I get a negative impression, when I was at Lee University, um, there was someone who uh, said something about me. at a, It's called a bread-breaking for Delta Zeta Tau. It's part of our initiation. I was part of a Christian, um, Christian service, social service club. And she said something about me that when she first saw me, she didn't like something about me. She knew it. And later she found out she knew what it was because I was divorced. Well, first of all, I don't think the Lord is going to give you a bad feeling about something somebody's gone through. Can I get an amen? But what it came out to, I was dating a guy that she wanted to date. That's what it was about. And I've learned from that when your filthy gets faulty. I don't even know if that worked. If you're filter, is it work? Yeah, like, you know, uh, Pastor Hank used to say when Matt Decker was headed to our house, Matt won't be listening to podcasts, we don't worry about that. He would say, um, I'm, 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 I'm being sincere, that's not, that's, he just, he don't have time to listen to my podcast, I don't mean that bad. Um, but at any rate, he'd say, go run, change the filters quickly. Do you ever do that? You know, because we knew when Matt came in, the first thing he's going to be looking at is if our filters have been cleaned, which a good air guy does. I think the same thing with us is our filter. Because sometimes we're like, I'm misreading all of this. It's like the old TVs that we've talked about that some of you young kids didn't know. You had rabbit ears, and then you had what on the tips of them? Aluminum foil. foil. And then one of the siblings would have to go hold it if the weather was bad. And you're like, you're just going to stay right there. Mama don't like you anyway, you know. And that one sibling would hold it so you could watch it. The problem wasn't with what was coming out of the airwaves. It was with the reception. The same thing is with God sometimes. It's not that God's not speaking to us. It's our reception. It's our filter. How do you clean up your filter? We got to keep moving. You clean up your filter by saying, Lord, speak to me what is truth. Speak to me. Don't let my anger or my jealousness hear that so-and-so is the children of the devil. When people hurt me, listen, when people hurt me or have betrayed me, I have tried my best to keep myself in a situation that I don't think the worst of them because they've hurt me. Does that make sense? Because that's a dirty filter. Everyone say a dirty filter. Number five, God holds us accountable to obey the light he gives us, not the light he gives someone else. Um, Right underneath that, I'm going to read this and I'll talk about that. Humble people, everyone say humble people, put their confidence in the Holy Spirit's ability to speak. This is so powerful. Oh my gracious, if I'd gotten this 30 years ago. Not in their ability to hear and Christ's ability to lead, not in their ability to follow. So what I've learned now about hearing the voice of God, which I have to do, which I could write a whole 21 series on the crazy way God leads me to things that I preach on and how I find resources. I mean, sometimes I'll just be looking over at something. I'll say, what's that over there? And it'll be, a, it'll be some information that I need. Or sometimes it'll come through this way. But what I've learned is I don't have to put my confidence in my ability to hear God. I've got to put my confidence in God's ability to speak to me. Amen? Because when you keep putting it on yourself, then you've got to climb some kind of ladder for God to speak to you. But when I put my confidence and my trust in Him speaking on me, speaking to me, then I find there's peace and also in His ability to lead, not my ability to follow. Some of us are strong-headed. Look at your neighbor and say, she's not talking about you. She's not talking about you. Or maybe she is. 
But sometimes we think, I don't know. I, I think God wants me to do this, but I don't know how to follow. Take your mind off of yourself and put it back on Christ and say to the Holy Spirit, I trust your ability to lead me. So now let's talk about prophecy. Number six, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 3, Paul explains the threefold purposes, purposes of prophecies. Edification, everyone say edification, edification. Exhortation. exhortation, and comfort. comfort. Everyone say comfort. I put some I put some scriptures referenced underneath there that I may come in and out of in this last few moments. And, um, and we're not going to worry about music at the end. Josh is also sick and we'll just, this is more of a teaching, so we're good. But I want you to follow me. If anyone ever prophesies something to you and it's doom and gloom, now I'm going to get to correction. You better doubt that they heard from God. Prophecy is to build you up. And if you ever get into, if I get into a degree with someone, and I've known people through my years of pastoring, all they ever hear is negative. They never said, I dreamed last night that Michael is going to rise up like the Gideon of old and slay his 300, you know. Um, but usually what they get is, I dreamed last night something terrible is going to happen to Michael, something horrible. We need to all pray. I think sometimes we get kind of fascinated. So I want to walk you through this because I think it's powerful. Some of this right here I got from someone that kind of teaches me from a distance, Pastor Robert Morrison Gateway, and he just did a great series on the five-fold giftings, which we're not talking about tonight, but a little bit of this, and a little bit it comes from my own resources. So edification, everyone say edification. That's the Greek word for edify is okodomia, which literally means to build a house, not to tear it down. And anyone that prophesies to tear the church down or to tear people down, I'm not talking about church of the harvest. I'm talking about the kingdom of Jesus across the world. Anyone that becomes a watchman on the wall and they're going to tear down uh, other people, uh, sons and daughters of God. I'm not even talking about ministers. We are called through prophecy to build up. The second thing is exhortation. Everyone say exhortation. It's another thing, parakaleo, which means to stir up. Everyone say stir up. stir up. To obey God's will moving from thought to action. That means if I'm really prophesying, I'm prophesying through the word of God tonight. And you've prophesied to someone today. I guarantee you, if you've encouraged them, that's a little hint. But when, I, when you prophesy, you're motivating someone to move from thought to action to do what God's called them to do. Comfort. Everyone say comfort. Paramathia, exhortation looks to the future. Comfort deals with a trial experienced in the present. How many have ever had someone to give you a word of knowledge, a scripture? Maybe they called you out in a service. I'm just talking about a brother or sister in the Lord, a pastor, an aunt, an uncle, and they encouraged you with something positive in the middle of a trial. Lift your hand. Let the angels take a snapshot. They prophesied to you, but you didn't even realize they were prophesying to you. Um, years ago, a gentleman, I almost said his name, and it wouldn't matter. I've talked to this gentleman about this, that they no longer come to church here, but we just still love them. But he came up to see Pastor Billy. The stage was over there, and he came up to see Pastor Billy, and he said, I'm believing for my wife to come back to me. And he was just, mm, sorry, he was just crying and crying. And, and I was, some reason, Pastor Billy called me up to stand there too, and I was crying. The musicians were crying because this person was just crying. I just wanted to come back and uh, Pastor Billy just stood there and he just looked at him for a minute. He said, 
I'm so sorry. She's not coming back. She's not coming back to you, and it's not your fault. It's a decision that she's made. And in that moment, this man was just, he was crying even harder. And he and I revisited this about a year ago when we ran to each other in town. And, uh, but, everyone say but. But he said, the Lord is going to bring someone so special to you. And they're going to fit your life and your future is beautiful. And when Pastor Billy said that, he didn't say it in anger. He said it through grief. But he said it in honesty. And I'm going to tell you, Pastor performed the ceremony for this gentleman and his wife about 20 years ago. And they have had a beautiful life. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Yes. And I think that's so powerful of prophecy. So number seven. Prophecy builds up our character and sends us out to do God's will and cheers us up when we are discouraged. Prophecy, according to Vine's Greek dictionary, the Greek word for comfort, I'm carrying this on as paramathia, which I just said, which is a tenderness. Everyone say tenderness. Um, the gentleman I just talked about was in a, a, a difficult trial. His heart was hurting, but he wanted the truth. He didn't get in that line. He knew the gifts of Pastor Billy which are not 100% perfect gift. We'll talk about it in a moment. But he knew the gift he had, but he came to him for something. He came to him to know some direction. In that moment, it didn't comfort him, but every day he got away and, and, and that woman did remarry someone else. It built him up to know, you know what? That's not going to work out, but God's going to work it out with someone else. And it cheered him up. I want you to say again, prophecy... Builds us up. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and do the one underneath it. The difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecies is we judge the word, not the person. You know, in the Old Testament, they did stone prophets when they were wrong. I mean, if you, if you missed it wrong, can anyone just give Jesus a hand? You're on this side of Calvary. I mean, really, but that's what's so powerful about Jesus. But, I mean, he undid everything through Leviticus. He fulfilled Leviticus. He fulfilled Numbers. He fulfilled Deuteronomy. He fulfilled the feast. He fulfilled all of that. He fulfilled the sacrifice so that he became that living bread and that living life. And what you do now is if someone gives you a word, judge the word. Don't judge them. The most awesome thing that anyone can do is to say, I missed it. I don't know anybody that's in the office of prophet. I'm not talking about you and I in the office of prophet. We're talking about prophesying. Everyone say prophesying. But in the office of prophet, the great ones, I recently, um, through some connections out west, was able to sit with two names that are known around the world. And one of them was sharing with the other. They knew I was there. They were talking to me. And they said, you know what? I was really hard on that national prophet when he missed it about something that happened a couple years ago. He missed it. And he wouldn't come back and say he missed it. He kept trying to change the way it would look. And um, he said, I think we have got to get to the point that we say, you know what? I can't explain this, but I missed it. Because no one has 100% accuracy. I want to say this. You make mistakes, don't you? Look at your neighbor and say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Teachers can make mistakes. Prophets can make mistakes. Pastors can make mistakes. Apostles and evangelists can make mistakes. You're going to see all those gifts in this next year that will come into this house. I'm a pastor and a teacher and have some other gifts, but you'll, you'll see a prophet. You've seen an evangelist in Jane Aldridge. They can make mistakes, and it's okay. I think sometimes if we miss it, we're embarrassed, and we think it'll take away our validity. But this is an interesting story. So this prophet is telling this other prophet 
And then he said, but you know what? He told this prophet is close to Brother Copeland, which is not involved in this story. And he said, I told Brother Copeland, you need to tell this prophet. He just needs to make it right. But then he said, I missed it on something so big. And the Holy Spirit said to me, so what were you saying about your friend? Because this is the deal. We are human and we can miss it. But when someone gives you a word, you're not going to stone them. You're not going to say, you son of the devil. You're not going to do any of that. You are going to judge. I want you to say it again. Judge the word. I have had people to give me words that were not accurate. I didn't scream and go running out of here like a snake with its tail bitten. Was that even possible? Anyway, I, I, you know, I, I didn't say anything, but I would judge it. Someone ministered in the early years of this church. Stage was over there. And it's someone I still know well, but that doesn't come in here to preach. And they missed it so bad. And um, I let it go, but Pastor Hank confronted them. Because they said it in front of the whole church. It wasn't like terrible, like you've got hidden sin, but they just ascribed all this emotional trauma and all this stuff for me that was not me. They, they could have gone 20 other directions and hit it, you know what I'm saying? But they didn't. I just, you know, I just bowed my head, I prayed, and I said, thank you. But Pastor Hank, I mean, oh, I had to sit through that. He had such guts, um, especially when he was a young whippersnapper. And he told him, and I ran into that man recently. He said, you know what? That was the most painful conversation I've ever had in my life. But your husband saved me that night because he said to me, you've missed it. It doesn't mean you don't have the gift. But tonight, I want you to know you absolutely missed it. You weren't saying something was going to happen in the future. You were ascribing something to my wife that I can tell you does not ascribe to her. And that's okay. Everyone say that's okay. Um, but you judge the word. You don't judge the person. Amen. Um, Deuteronomy 18 and 9. On your paper, circle that. That's right there above that. Just circle it because there's a reason. And I don't feel as much more to say this tonight because some people aren't here um, that probably need this more than you guys do. But listen, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. I want you to say to build and plant. This is two different kingdoms of darkness. We're not called to tear or destroy the kingdom of light. We belong to the kingdom of light. We are called to root and tear down the kingdom of darkness. We're called to build up, say it again, build up, to build up the kingdom of light. Okay, give yourself a hand that you've made it this far. You're doing good. So what does that mean? If you're dealing with something, Dr. Jack Hayford said something years ago, and man, it just helped me as a young pastor. He said, when you're dealing with something, be gracious with the person, but be militant with the spirit or the attitude. And some people that that really thought they wanted to get close to me. But as Pastor Billy said, Pastor Rhonda's got a sword. And when it comes out, it comes out. And sometimes when that sword comes out privately and I'm talking to someone, I will go after the spirit like crazy. I won't go after the person. But if it's anger or if it's, and I know it's just attached himself, I'm going to get militant with it, but be gracious. True prophecy is gracious. I want you to say true prophecy is gracious. All right. Revelation 19 and 10, write down that address. And we're getting really close to the end. Write down that address. It says that the testimony of Jesus, everyone say the testimony of Jesus. I'm, I'm waking y'all up through this hurricane. Say the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Why do you make us talk? Because I was a Christian education major. And I learned something that the people that talk, that's why teachers are smart. 
The person that's talking, they've studied this, is the person that's learning. So I want you to learn. Look at your neighbor and say, I want you to learn. So what this is saying is the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's to testify to the awesomeness of Jesus. When God uses you to minister to someone or me, I've had a lot of people ask me, why, why will you not take just a little credit when God, their perception of however God uses me, which, hey, for everyone that thinks God used me, there may be 10 that doesn't. I'm not going to believe my own press either way. This is what I want to say. I said, because I know without him what I am. And anything that he does is him. Anything powerful is him. We are not to try to get to the point that we look awesome, but that Jesus looks awesome. Give Jesus a hand for that because it's so, so true. Okay, come on, let's go. Okay, um, number eight, the most common form of prophecy is confirmational prophecy. Confirmation. I want to say this to you because sometimes if you're like me, I'm not going to deny. I'd love for someone right now to sit down and just tell me everything. The building we're looking for, it's at 447 Cedar Avenue. Cedar, Cedar Avenue. Hidden behind a big. Anyway, um, I would love that. Is anybody with me? I mean, I would love that kind of thing. Where I sit, and when I see people get around prophets, I have, I have been the audience of great men and women of God, but they don't tell half of what God has shown them, not even a fourth. When you get private with them and they start talking, you're like, whoa, because they just don't even share it. They've learned just to keep it and ponder it. But I've watched people th- sit with them and just think, tell me who I'm going to marry. Um, tell me what, where I'm going to live. Tell me where this is going. You know what we do? In that moment, we become dependent on a gift instead of Holy Spirit. We are to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. God uses people. But when we start to say, I want you to answer this and you to answer that, we don't do it. But confirmational, everyone say confirmational. Because what I just described is directional prophecy. It is in the Word. And occasionally, God will tell you some direction and what's going to happen. But confirmation is... When God says something to you, you've already been pondering in your heart. Mm-hmm. And you've seen this before. People get a word, a wisdom, a word of knowledge, and they, you know, they begin to cry. And I always like to talk about one of these. Um, I'm 758. Give me about five, six more minutes. Um, when we were evangelizing, Pastor Hank was uh, gifted in word of knowledge. We still are as pastors, but when we go out, we don't know anybody. It's just like boomerang. I mean, it's just like a shotgun because we don't know people, and we don't get hindered by what we know. And um, so he was ministering a word of knowledge to a girl, and she looked a little bit confused. And I thought, what's, what's this about? You know, I didn't see that look on her face of, he is, you know, reading my mail, not about him, about the Spirit of the Lord. And all of a sudden, a woman shifted herself right up to Pastor Hank, and she began to sign because the woman was deaf. And so she began to sign the word of knowledge. And the minute the signing started, the, the tears just started flowing. I mean, it was so beautiful. And that light on her face came forth. And it was so powerful because it was confirming. Uh, they're not telling us anything we've not heard. They're confirming what we already knew. And sometimes they're prophesying what's going to happen in the future. So I want you to say it again. Prophecy, Prophecy. is to encourage, is, encourage. is to build up. And is to comfort. Just like I said, you give somebody a scripture, you're prophesying to them. Listen, I've learned that my mama, and just hang with me a minute, my mama prophesied to me all the time. Because I'd say, there is a plague going on in elementary school, you know, hoping I didn't have to go to school the next day. Or there's a terrible flu, it's passing all through high school, and everybody's getting it. My mom would say to me, you're not going to get it. 
How do you know I'm not going to get it? Well, you're just not going to get it. You're not going to get it. My mom prophesied these things. You will get through this, Rhonda, whatever I was going through. This too shall pass, Rhonda. She was prophesying. God has a plan. I want to say to you tonight, do not minimize the way God wants to prophesy through you by merely encouraging someone, by saying something to someone that says, you know what? You're going to get through this. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's, let's do that. Let me see what else I have here tonight. We just got one more thing. If you've got instrumental, Keith, you can play it. If not, um, this is a powerful story. Do you have a, a, a minute for a powerful story? And then we'll get the last one. Several years ago, Paul Cain is the prophet that I talk about. The Lord took him. Many people believe the reason the Lord took him and William um, Branham is because people just start clamoring. And I've been very careful. You know, I, I've had speed dial some prophets, but I'm very careful about reaching out to them. Because I've learned that Holy Spirit wants me to learn to hear his voice for myself. And when it's needed, it will come. But many believe that the Lord took Paul Cain home because he had such a supernatural gift. He's the one that saw where Jean Reborg was in the psychiatric hospital. But listen to this. Do we have an instrumental? Um, but, but let's give them a hand. Because <laughs> I'll start singing it, Keith. Thank you so much. Give Keith a hand. Is he not awesome? Yes, okay. All right. So um, several years ago, Paul Kane was in a conference hosted by a Metro Vineyard Christian. The man who penned this story is the same man who penned the story about Gene Reborg. I've come to know him from a distance, Dr. Jack Deere. He's written some great books on hearing the voice of God. So they were at Metro Christian Fellowship. Paul had given a message, and afterward, he'd given prophetic words to six individuals in the audience. Then he looked directly at me. He had just met Jack before the service. Jack, would you stand up, please? And this is an inward witness, a prompting, and a prophecy. Not an audible, because audible is God speaking. But Jack, would you stand up? As I rose to my feet, Paul said, I had a vision of your mother this afternoon. Her name is Wanda Jean. I saw her standing on a cliff looking for a missing jewel. Remember what John Paul told us, when you see something in a vision, you interpret it like a dream, and also a word of knowledge. She was looking for a missing jewel. That must mean your father's name is Jewel Clifford. Then I saw your father, and when I saw him, he was in heaven face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord showed me that somewhere um, before your father had died, like Abraham, he believed in the Lord, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. I was absolutely stunned, said Jack Deere. Hang in here, it's so good. No one knew my mother's real name. She hated the name Wanda. She would only use the name Jean. It was one of our best kept family secrets that no one knew but our nuclear family. Likewise, my dad never went by the name Jewel Clifford. Everyone called him Jack. Paul had no idea my parents' names, real names were Jean and Jack. That's what we called them, let alone that their birth names were Wanda Jean and Jewel Clifford. I knew the only way he could have gotten those names was by supernatural revelation from the Holy Spirit because no one could have told him and no one could have done this. He would have never known that telling me that he saw my father in heaven would have changed my life because it would confirm to me a supernatural revelation. My father committed suicide when I was 12 years old. Five years later, I became a Christian. After that time, I used to wonder about my father, whether he was in heaven or hell. 
I'm gonna read this because I don't wanna miss it, it's so good. Over and over again, I try to reevaluate all the evidence on the negative side. If, if we'd been a ch- we hadn't been a church family, a church going family, but my father and, t- and my father had taken his own life. But on the positive side, my dad owned a Bible and he read it. And I'd also heard him pray out loud more than once. Some days after I weighed all the negative evidence, I would just be completely convinced daddy was in heaven. The next day I would be weighing the possibilities that he had to be in hell. Paul Kane told me that afternoon when I came to see him the next day, that the Lord showed him that when I became a Christian, the question of my father's eternal destiny troubled me more than I realized. He said that, our, that, our, that not long after my conversation or my conversion, I'm sorry, a root of bitterness grew up in my heart over my father's death and over the possibility that he might spend eternity hell. He said the root of bitterness had caused a harshness in my behavior as a minister. And the revelation was meant to remove that harshness. The removal of harshness was something I had been praying over. I had been asking the Lord to please give me his loyal love and gentleness for his people because I knew I was gifted, but I couldn't stop the harshness. He said in that moment, when hands were laid on me and I got the word that my daddy had made it to heaven, which I utterly believe, he said my life was turned around. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know about you, but if I could get something, just merely even that looked like an encouragement for someone, and it would change their life. The Bible says, He awakens me with a word to sustain the weary. If I could get anything to help anybody, it may not be as dramatic as that, but it may be equally dramatic to them. So number nine, again, I'm gonna hammer it 17 ways since Sunday. Prophecy is intended to build up the saints, to encourage them, to put courage in. I want you to say that, put courage in, not discourage which takes courage out. Look up at me for just a moment. I'll pray for you. This is a cool thing. When I prophesy to you, when I exhort you and I say to, um, and this be about you, just when Mignon says to Misty, Misty, you just, you're doing a great job, Misty. God's got great plans for you. She's prophesying. She's not acting in the office of a prophet, but she is prophesying. She's encouraging. She's building her up. Don't let the enemy make it seem small because it looks so practical. It's not ethereal. It's not mystical. It's not some Obi-Wan Kenobi sword fight. It's not some kind of weird eyes popping out of your head, running like crazy. It's a simple, you're going to make it. God is with you. Don't be discouraged because when I discourage you, I take courage out of your heart. But when I encourage you, I put it in. So at the bottom of your paper, it says, sometimes it takes God a few times to get our full attention. And that's why he speaks in stereo. That's why it's through a song, through a word. In other words, he whispers in more than one language. It's his way of making doubly or triply sure that we're picking up what he's throwing down. And for those, that, that statement came from Mark Batterson. And for those of us who are a little slow on the uptake, God is gracious. I want you to say God is, God is gracious. gracious. Enough to give two or three or four confirmations. Let me say this and I'll pray for you. Isn't God wonderful? You know, a parent would say, didn't you hear what I said? An earthly parent, didn't you hear me? I told you, God just says, let me tell you one more time. I didn't get it that time, God. I didn't understand it. So I say to the Lord before I pray of you, all I know to do is to be honest. I, I just, all I know, most of my elders say it's one of the most redeeming qualities. I pray so, because I do think I tell too much of my weaknesses, but here's the deal. So many times I'll say to Holy Spirit, you know, here I am. 
with all my weaknesses. I'm sorry it's taking me today with a hurt hand. I didn't even get to redo my draft because it took me so long to try to write. I didn't realize how much a thumb does. Have you ever realized that? But it does, and uh, wow, okay. Um, I didn't realize how much a thumb does, and uh, it took me so much longer. Sometimes I'll say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry I'm asking you again. Is that really your will for me to preach that? Or is that really your will for me to call that person or to do this? I'm sorry I'm having to ask you over again. But then I remember that God says in the book of James, let anyone who does not know what to do ask for wisdom. And he will not, the message Bible says, slap your hand over it. But he'll say, it's okay. I don't care if I have to tell you a hundred times. Your mama may say, I'm not going to tell you one more time. But the Lord says, I don't care if it takes a hundred times. I'm going to keep helping you. Maybe you feel like you're on that little hot wheel tonight. You're like, yeah, that's me. I'm just learning God's voice. I'm just down here on the low level riding the hot wheel. Well, we all start on the hot wheel. Sometimes we go back to it. Then I get on the tricycle. But it's a process of learning the voice of God. I want to uh, challenge you tonight to um, ask the Lord. I want you to ask the Lord, who can I encourage? Who can I build up? Lord, let me to prophesy. I'm not wanting to be the office of prophet, but let me prophesy. I have Jesus in me. Let me put courage back into people, into my children, into my spouse, into my coworkers, saying, hey, you got this. See, they don't know your spirit field. Well, maybe they do if you walk in speaking in tongues. I don't know. But maybe they don't know your spirit field or you love the Lord or whatever. Because when you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. They don't know you have him and they don't know you're prophesying. And then they just feel a little better. Let's close our eyes tonight. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that Abba Daddy is so kind and gracious. I thank you for the ability to prophesy good things to people's life to tell them you're going to make it, to encourage them. I thank you, Lord, that you are for us. And it doesn't matter how many times we ask you, God, can you make that plain? God, I'm torn between these two things and my peace is not going to either one. But Lord, you'll let our peace rise up just a little bit more. I thank you for anyone that's ever heard your audible voice. But God, let it not make be a goal for any of us. But thank you for those promptings that pull, pull over the road and get a biscuit. I think I want to go this way or that take that other route or call this person, or text them, check on them. Lord, I can say honestly in the presence of my brothers and sisters, there's so many times in the years of being a pastor that I would later think, why did I not just obey you, Holy Spirit, when I found out that person was fighting like crazy for their life. Lord, let us listen to you, open our ears, open our hearts, and let us hear from you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Well, you were great tonight. Give yourself a hand. Go ahead, give yourself a hand. Very good.